Good morning. I just feel like uh, the Lord has already spoken to us. This is the promise that I have made to you. Now, I didn't speak to Jenny about my subject. But I want to talk about some of the God's promises. The promise of prayer. Herbert Lockyer, in his book, All the Promises of the Bible tells of a study that said that there are approximately 32,000 promises in our Bible. Another study from Canada said there were about 8,000. Now, from among the many thousands of promises, I'd like to focus this morning on the promise of prayer. And next Sunday, I'd like to focus on the promise of His presence. And so this morning, if you would turn in your Bibles, please, to one of the promises. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. The sacred writer says, And my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And here's the promise. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Two other scriptures. First of all, secondly, rather, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then the last passage, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and verse 1. Now, Jesus was telling them a parable. And the thrust of the parable was this, to show that at all times people ought to pray and not to lose heart or not to faint. Let's just bow for a moment and pray. Father, what a gracious God you are. You have promised 
us blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. And Father, we thank you that uh, you are one who keeps his word. We pray this morning that some of the blessings that we will talk about, some of the promises that we will talk about, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, uh, seal them to us, seal them to our hearts, impress them upon us. And Father, may we be those kinds of people here that uh, know how to keep in touch with you through this wonderful access that you have made to us, the avenue of prayer. Bless us then, our Father, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What convinces me that I need to pray involves a number of reasons. And please allow me to give you a few of those reasons. First of all, as I said or suggested, the scriptures are literally full of prayers from all sorts of people. There are kings who pray in the Bible, prophets who pray, priests who pray, and then there's the ordinary vanilla kind of person, you know, just ordinary people pray to God. And then we have the Psalms, the hymnal and prayer book of Israel. And this to me suggests again that I need to pray or ought to pray. We have the scriptures that remind us that we have not because we ask not. And that tells me that I ought to pray. And this last passage from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, tells me that the alternative to not praying is to faint to give up, to lose heart. Some of the things that encourage me to pray is the joy of answered prayer. I recall one evening at a church in Oakland when I was just beginning my public ministry at a children's meeting. I asked children to come forward if they wanted to know more or if they wanted to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And I think 10 or 12 came forward that evening and made a confession of faith in Christ. What a joyous evening. You can't describe the, the joy that just fills your whole body. Just a great, great feeling of joy. One of the incidences that encourages me more than anything is that before there was a freeway over Donner Pass, we had to drive through this narrow, winding road that took a lot of time. On this particular occasion, uh, we were returning home from Tahoe, and I was driving my fairly new 1957 Chevrolet, up this narrow, winding road. And about halfway up, my car engine died. And we appeared stuck on what appeared to be a dangerous curve. What do you do? Here we were, Kathleen and I and our four young daughters. Well, we prayed. All six of us. Are these prayers a waste of time? Do they make any difference 
in anybody's life. Does God really answer prayers of this kind? Well, on this occasion, in less than about five minutes, a highway patrol officer in his car stopped to see what was wrong. And he surmised that we had, we had what he called vapor lock. I didn't know anything about that. And then he offered to push us up all the way to the summit. When we got to the summit, I turned the ignition key, the car started, and we got home without further incident. Was this a coincidence? Did the patrol officer just happen to be there at the time when we needed him? Were we just lucky, as people say? Why hadn't the patrol officer called a tow truck instead of pushing us up the hill with his patrol car? Well, I don't know the answers to those questions, though I believe that our God was gracious to us. And, you know, we all gave him thanks. We gave thanks to the God that we believed helped us. You know, if it was a coincidence... I'll gladly accept all of these kinds of coincidences and then say, thank you, Lord, for the coincidence. You know? I'm a clipper. I clip news articles here and there. And in 1968, Newsweek magazine ran a feature article entitled, Can Modern Man Pray? Their conclusion was that modern man cannot pray. A little while ago, I was reading in the paper about a missionary writing about a totally devastated village from the tsunami uh, problem, earthquake, the great big wave. As they were leaving this devastated village, uh, this group said to the survivors, may we pray? They asked for permission to pray. And all of the people cried out in unison, and I believe this is an exact quote. Yes, please pray. We want to come out of these problems in our lives. And what is amazing is that none of these villagers were Christian. Yet these people understood something of a God who, if you call to him, would answer and would help. As a Christian, what I find disturbing, sobering, but not really surprising, is that most books on systematic theology completely omit any discussion of prayer. Most evangelical seminaries don't have a course on prayer. And those that do make it an elective. You can take it or leave it. This morning, I would like to present a few things with regard to this important subject of prayer. First, again, what are some of the promises of prayer? Secondly, I'd like to deal with a few questions that we are often asked. Why don't I get what I pray for? And what happens if I don't pray? And lastly, I'd like to make a few suggestions with regard to this issue of prayer. 
As you can tell by this very brief outline, I will be giving merely an introduction to this subject of prayer. But I trust that this will be helpful and stimulate you to study further. But most of all, I want to encourage you to pray. There are many, many, many verses on prayer. And many of these verses contain wonderful promises. And so I'd like to just go over a few of these verses. The first verse in our Bible reading, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, contains this wonderful promise. God tells Solomon, this wise king, that when Israel is in great need, one of the things they need to do is to humble themselves. Pray. Seek God's face. Turn from their wickedness. And then God promises that He will hear. I will hear your prayer. I will hear from heaven. The place of authority. The place where God's throne stands. He's going to hear from that place. And he will forgive. Forgive. You know, forgiveness is the Greek word aphemi. And what it means is to take a burden from off one's back. He's going to take the load, whatever kind it is, remove it from us. He's going to forgive us. And he will heal. You know, there's all kinds of healing. There's the healing, of course, of, that's physical in nature. But there's the healing that is also mental. And sometimes I think that our greatest pain comes from a deep mental disturbance that we have. It hurts. And God promises to hear, to forgive, to forgive. That's his promise. Now, just suppose. Suppose that we were to follow this pattern of Second Chronicles 7.14 here in San Ramon. Or the community where God has placed you to be a light and a witness. And suppose you needed to humble yourself and you did just that. Suppose uh, we gave up our prideful attitudes and prideful ways of living. And suppose we got on our knees and confessed our sins and then began to earnestly pray to God, Oh God, help us here in San Ramon and Danville and the Tri-Valley. And suppose we began to pray for our neighbors, for everyone on our streets, our schools, our churches. Suppose we did that. Suppose we began to pray earnestly for one another. What do you think would happen? I suspect that all would be changed spiritually in some 
significant way. I suspect that we would exhibit a even more wonderful spirit of togetherness. And I also suspect that those we prayed for would experience a blessing from God. God has made us a great promise. And you know what you do with a promise? You receive the promise. And you walk per that promise. You accept it. Another promise is that a righteous person's prayers are powerful and effective. James chapter 5, verse 16. This promise tells us that prayer means something. It's not just a lot of hot air. There is an impact being made when we pray. And I want you to notice what happened in that passage there. Elijah, someone just like us. The text says, a man of like passions. The the New American Standard Bible says, a man with a nature just like ours. He's just like me. Just like you. Well, this man prayed. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. That's a pretty powerful prayer. Not to pray for three and a half years as a result of that prayer to God. Then he prayed again. And the drought was broken. And the text says the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. That's pretty powerful praying. And I hope you got it. This was a man with a nature like ours, an average but righteous person. And God answered in response to that man's prayers. To repeat the promise, a righteous person's prayers are powerful and effective. Did you know that your prayers are powerful? And effective. Did you know that? Another promise is that answered prayer brings joy to the person who prays. John chapter 16 and verse 24. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive and your joy will be full or complete. And this is a verse that combines faith and experience. By faith we say, what a wonderful promise. Ask and you shall receive. And so I ask and I do receive. And then the joy of faith is completed when we experience the answer to our prayer. That's the promise of this verse. Joy that is complete. And I'm sure some of you here know from your own experience the joy that is full and complete. You're, you're full. And you know, when a person is full of joy, you know, it kind of overflows, it uh, affects other people around you. It really affects them. And that's what's so great about it. The last promise that I'm going to mention was in that passage in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And the promise of this verse is 
the peace of God, which just boggles the mind or which passes, surpasses all understanding or comprehension, will be ours. You know, there's a breadth and a depth to this peace. It's something that cannot be known by reading this book that was popular a number of years ago, Peace of Mind. It cannot be known by governmental proclamation. It's something that God Himself brings to us. And if you look at this verse in your bulletin, in your Bibles, please underline the word everything. Underline that word everything. When we commit everything to God in prayer, Petition with thanksgiving, God's promise of this unspeakable joy comes into play. Well, there are a number of questions with regard to prayer. And uh, before I take up some of the questions, I just want to suggest maybe a, a definition of prayer. Someone said that true prayer is my being aware of my helpless need. And my acknowledging that God is adequate. God is enough. Prayer is saying, here I am, Lord. I have this need. And on my own, I can't meet it. I need your help because you alone are able to help me. And the second definition of prayer, which I borrowed from a friend, is this. Prayer is a means that God uses to give us what He wants. Prayer is a means God uses to give us what He wants. And this definition carries with it the assumption that God loves us. That God knows what is best for us. That He gives good gifts to His children. These are all things that God wants for us. And there are a number of biblical examples that tell us when people get what they insist on, it is not always for the best. Psalm 106 and verse 15 says this, God gave them their request, but He sent a wasting disease among them. It wasn't the best thing for them. A wise person once said, only selfish children demand a happy ending to every story. One of the big questions relates to unanswered prayer. Why don't I get what I pray for? Why don't I get what I pray for? I prayed and prayed and prayed for this and I still don't have the answer. I don't have the answer I want. One response to this question would include something, I think, like the following. An all-wise God knows what is good and what is best. And He must often refuse what ignorance insists must be done. Is that right? Every good father and mother knows a little bit about this. When a child insists that his parents feed him only sugar promise, 
uh, products, they will often refuse. Not because they don't love the child, but because they do. So here's a refusal simply because I love you. And I hope we keep that in mind. We have a wonderful book, had a wonderful book in our home when our children were going up, and which Kathleen often read to the children. The book was entitled Little Visits from God. Maybe some of you know that book. And one of the stories in brief was about a young city boy who was promised a fishing trip with his father on Saturday. And so on Friday night, the little boy prayed. Dear Father, my dad has promised to take me fishing tomorrow. Please don't let it rain. Okay, that's the request. At the same time, out in the country, the young farm boy listened to his father talk about the seed that he had just planted out there in the field and what was necessary to make that field produce and grow. So on Friday night, the little farm boy prayed, Dear Father, my dad has been working real hard out there in the field, so please let it rain. What's God going to do? Well, I'd like to say that nobody gets breaks in prayers. Which prayer is the good Lord going to answer? Well, we will get what a perfectly loving God who knows all things sees fit to give. Now, I agree that this is not always getting what we want. Sometimes what we want and what is best is out of sync with the will of God. One last consideration that I would like to mention in response to the question about unanswered prayer. Someone said that God does not respond to our prayers, but rather He responds to our life. What we say cannot be separated from what we think and feel and will and do. Prayer is related to who we are and everything that God is. All that I am and all that God is. You know, they come together somewhere. Psalm 109 and verse 4, literally in Hebrew says, But I am a prayer. Or I am prayer. And the old writers always said this referred to Jesus. He is a prayer. He was a prayer. As He walked on the streets there in Palestine, He literally was a prayer walking among the people. You know, sometimes I'm very selfish. I don't know about you. But I kind of think we're all pretty much alike. Sometimes I'm very selfish. Sometimes I'm influenced by the culture around me with respect to what I pray for. Sometimes I pray for things out of ignorance. Sometimes I'm arrogant and feel I deserve something from God. 
you know, I've been a pretty good boy, and I did all of these good deeds, you know, God, and uh, don't you think you owe me something? And so I pray. Sometimes I simply have a bad case of the wants. You ever been struck with that disease? When I'm in any of these ways, I believe God responds not to my words, but to my life. Well, what happens if I don't pray? Let me suggest a few things. God responds to this question in that verse that we read from from Luke 18 and verse 1. Jesus said, men ought always to pray. And that includes women. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to lose heart. Not to feel like quitting. You know, Lord, I've been praying now for this thing for four or five weeks or six months. And uh, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. What happens when we don't pray? Well, we'll faint. Either we learn to cry out to our gracious Father or we're going to lose heart. What Jesus is telling us is to keep on praying and don't quit. If we are fainting, that means that we've stopped praying. Now, if we had continued reading in Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, we would have come to the story or the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Now, some people like the Pharisee might say, well, preacher, I shouldn't be fainting because I am, I am praying. The Pharisee could say, I pray 30 minutes Every morning and ten minutes every night. And I go to prayer meeting faithfully and I pray. So why should I be the one that is fainting? Well, here's a person who, who prayed. Or he said his prayers. Pharisees were people who prayed. So what's the problem? The text says in verse 11 of Luke 18 that... I was praying to myself. Did you get that? He was praying to himself. This is an example of what prayer is not. Here is a form of praying. A mechanical way of praying. Maybe even a ritualistic way of praying. But the big problem is he wasn't really praying. It may look good on the outside, but it's not praying. And Jesus considered this kind of praying to be arrogant. The Pharisee had exalted himself. And God said he would be humbled. What God was looking for was a humble, penitent heart. And we are told that that was the case of the publican. Who wouldn't even dare lift up his head. But smote his breast. True prayer is to God and God alone. A prayer to God, a prayer is to a God who is holy. And if He is holy, 
I confess my shortcomings. We confess our sins. Our prayer is to a God who knows everything, and so we must be completely honest. If he already knows, pray something that's honest. What does it mean to pray according to the will of God? Well, it's not a formula. It expresses an attitude that says, have your own way, Lord, because I know that's the best way. This attitude is one that admits that God knows more than we do. And therefore, his will is perfectly okay. As a matter of fact, I want his will because that's the best. In closing, I'd like to make some suggestions regarding prayer, which as I make them, I realize that I profoundly need them myself. First of all, resolve to pray thankfully. Philippians 4.6 In everything, by prayer and supplication, with, with, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Resolve to pray thankfully. Secondly, resolve to pray with a loving heart. Because this word love is so much abused and misused, I believe it's helpful to consider what St. Augustine had to say to the question, what does love look like? This is what he said about what love looks like. Love has the hands to help others. It has the feet to hasten to the poor and to the needy. It has the eyes to see misery and want. And it has the ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. He said that's what love looks like. Thirdly, resolve to pray with a forgiving attitude. And I believe that we all need to remember that forgiven people forgive others. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Wow. Fourthly, resolve to pray with the prayer of faith. Listen again to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, or part of it anyway. It says there, For whoever would draw to God, draw near to God, who, whoever would draw near to God, and that's praying, must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. I just don't pray in a vacuum, in an empty spot. I pray to a God who exists. I pray to a God who is there. You know, one of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Shammah. You know what that means? The God who is there. He's there. And we'll be talking about that next week. Last suggestion for today. Resolve to pray and pray and pray. Persevere. 
We need to think more deeply on the meaning of what it means to pray without ceasing. And when I mentioned a moment ago that uh, the old writers said that uh, about that verse in Psalm 109, I am a prayer. If a person is a prayer, they are praying without ceasing. Someone said that the Lord's Prayer has two parts. The first part of the Lord's Prayer centers on God. His name, His will, His kingdom. When we pray, God is foremost. And the second part of the Lord's Prayer centers around people, us, our needs, our daily bread, our sins, our attitude of forgiveness, our temptations, centers on us. When we, when we look at the contrast between uh, those requests for us and who God is, wow, there's a, such a big gulf, but it also tells me that this is a God who is able to meet every one of those needs. So let's pray. Pray that God would help us and bless us. Let's all bow our heads and just say thank you to God. Our Father, we uh, just pause now to bow our heads in your presence. And Father, we thank you that... uh, that you are a God who has ears to hear, who has eyes to see, who has hands to help, who has feet to run to the aid of those who need him. And Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you for loving us. Thanking us for bringing us together in a place like this where we can sit down together And think about what you have said in your word. Bless this company of your people, Father. And if there are those who don't know uh, prayer from personal experience, Father, we pray that they might soon enter into that knowledge of praying to a God who is their Father. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.